this is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything about assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. No cowbell this morning. Yeah, we'll, and which we'll explain later. So <laughs> I don't know, people now are probably already tuning out because that's their favorite part. <laughs> Here, there's a segment of our audience that listen right up to the, the cowbell and then that's like, right. okay, I'm good. I'm good. That's right. It still counts as a download, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, whatever. We don't care. This means we have to do less work. Uh, hey, my name is Rob Minot, and uh, joining me today is Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hey, guess what? What? I got my tax refund this morning. What? Yay. Already? Yep. We filed on the 19th, and it was in my account this morning. Man, what the hell? You you are so ahead of the curve these days. Uh, <laughs> you're already you're on. Well, I guess you haven't got the vaccine yet, but Steve no. did. I mean, you could have. Yeah. Man, alive. I'm still. Yeah, I'm still. My my guy's still working on mine. Yeah, H and R Block. Deal with a professional. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Um. Well. Well, he is a professional. <laughs> but honestly, in his defense, I did get it to him a little late. I got it to him like last beginning of last week. So yeah, because I thought I could do it myself, but then I was just like, no, wait, no, I can't do this. It's- yeah, no, yours was a little bit more complicated than mine. So and I suck at paperwork. I just I hate it. So <laughs> it's just like forget it. Math. Uh, I don't want to do math. <laughs> and filling out little form like filling out the sections and yeah numbers and yeah it's just uh my 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 eyes glaze over yeah um anyways uh well that's cool well that's good news for you good good for you yay um hey uh how are things over there things are trucking along no they're not i was a loaded question and you failed did i you failed you would tell the audience what's going on over there what where are you sitting at the moment? Oh, where am I currently? I am sitting at my dining room table. I've had to move my office from the guitar dungeon up to the main floor because we have an ant invasion happening down there. So thankfully, over the last couple of days, we've gotten on top of it and the numbers are being reduced gradually. So hopefully by the weekend, they will be eradicated. But well, maybe. we'll see. We'll see. Ah, we're you getting never there. know with ants. Well, we're getting there. Oh, there was there's substantial difference when we went down last night and compared to a couple nights ago when Linda first saw them. Well, you know, maybe it's all that sweet guitar playing. <laughs> there's ripping those chords that attracted them all into the guitar dungeon. No, it's like probably the- all the Dorito cheese dust on the floor. <laughs> oh, man, I'm in trouble then. Good thing I'm on the ninth floor. Uh, no, uh... But uh, oh, that sucks. I mean, but you guys have been there quite a while. Is this the first year that you've ever had ants in the Guitar Dungeon? It's only happened, I think, once, maybe twice in the 11 years we've lived here. Oh, okay. And, you know, I think it's just we had such really nice hot weather for yeah. a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden it turned and the ants went, whoa, we're going indoors. Yeah, um, I am. Um, yeah. Yeah, because that was my thought, too. I thought it was a little early for ants, because usually ants become a problem like later in the summer. Because yeah. uh, I lived in a place once that, that yeah, we had an ant problem. And it sucks. It sucks, because they're very hard to to get rid of. I mean, I no, guess. I mean, yeah, we've got traps all over the basement right now. We're down there vacuuming every night. So, like I said, we're we're getting them. They're, they're slowly diminishing in numbers. Well, actually, I think that isn't it the way that... Isn't there like some like ant thing that you you leave it out and they take the bait back to the nest and then it's all poison and it like poisons the entire. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we've got downstairs. We got about 11 or 12 ant traps down there and uh, supposedly white vinegar as well. Um, I think we'll kill them. There's all sorts of stuff. Black pepper, cinnamon. Mm. They don't like. Um, Yeah. All sorts of home remedies you can do yourself too. 
Oh, that'd be sweet. You spread a bunch of cinnamon down there and make it, <laughs> make it smell like a bakery. That's and right. And you have no ants. That seems like a that seems like a plus plus. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it seems like a double standard though. You're putting you got ants in your house, so you're putting food out to attract the ants to take, so they can take it back to the nest and kill them. You know, so they're go, aren't they? Are they not going back to their nest? Going, hey guys, there's a buffet in the basement. Let's go. Well, you know wait, I mean? is that? Is that uh, it's kind yeah, of right. counterintuitive? Yeah, it is. But wait, is, does cinnamon kill them or they just not like it? Uh, I don't remember what I was reading the other day. I, I think the cinnamon they just don't like. Um, yeah, see, but, I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, leave out stuff because I don't know. They're in a way, like, I don't know, my weird part of my brain is like, I'm kind of bummed out that because they're just doing their thing, they're just being ants. And then, you know, they don't yeah, know it, that you're, they're coming into your house and that they're causing a problem. They just think, hey, this is cool look there's a bunch of food it's a bunch of dorito dust over here guys yeah it's all fun uh, and games it's all fun and games so you're online jamming with a bunch of friends and all of a sudden you feel like something crawling on you and ah. you're letting go of your guitar and you feel something else crawling on you it's like okay i think there's something crawling on me here then you call your wife downstairs and goes yeah there's hundreds of them i'm like oh great oh. <laughs> man i heard yeah. i what a guy once told me a horrific story about his honeymoon where they went to some sort of resort somewhere, I don't know, in like the, the tropics. And the first night they were there, uh, they, they went to bed and he had left a, a can of Coke on the nightstand mm-hmm. uh, open. It was like half, half drank. And they, they went to sleep. And in the middle of the night, he woke up and he was thirsty. And so he reached uh. over and, he, <laughs> and he, he took a big dr- swig of this, of this uh. can of Coke that was half full. And he said he took the swig and then he's like, he felt this tickling and stuff on his chin and stuff. And he turned out the lights and this, this Coke can was just swarming with, with ants. There were ants in it. Like it was just ants everywhere, all over it. And that was horrific enough. But as it turned out, these particular ants there, they like had some sort of a toxin in them that uh, made him incredibly ill for the next like five days of his honeymoon because wow. he had ingested a bunch of this stuff. So, wow. Yeah. So that's yeah. not cool. No, no. ants. you know, like you say, they're doing their job, but they're just, I don't know. They're just nasty critters. Yep. But better that than rodents. That's right. Well, six minutes in and we've talked about ants so far. Uh, so this is, this is turning into a w- incredibly engaging episode of AT Banter, everybody. That's Welcome right. to it. Uh, what are we doing today? Today we are speaking with Stephanie de Bishop regarding an institute she works for called Plan that helps families and persons with disabilities. Um, they have all sorts of different supportive resources, online tools, webinars. So it'll be really interesting to talk to her and just find out um, what they do, how they do it, and also they are a local BC company with a national reach. So it's always nice to spotlight somebody local. It is. And, you know, it's always somewhat embarrassing for have, having been in this industry for as long <laughs> as we have, and we had not heard of these guys before. But, I mean, mind you, you know, we're not, by no means are we dialed into everything. But still, it's such a, it, it seems to be such a really important um, advocacy organization, uh, everybody should really know about it. So, uh, that's why we wanted to have her on the show. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, as we do the show year after year after year, how many times have we come across a guest with an organization that we had no idea of, um, you know, even a local organization that's been around 20, 30 years, um, that deal with people with disabilities. It's surprising to me that, you know, we're still discovering them. Well, thank God for them, because without them, we would not have gotten to 230 whatever episodes <laughs> of content. We'd still be, I don't even know. I don't, what, we, what did we do in the early days? Uh, we tried to talk tech. Yeah, I guess so. We'd and that still be didn't trying to really talk go tech. very far. Yeah. Because it was boring. That's right. I'm looking Polar. forward to our 300th episode. Yeah, that's my well, goal. we still got a ways to go for that. Oh, I know. Is that well? Is it, why are you going to retire after three hundred? You're going to be like, "Yep, that's it." No, it just seems like to be a, another milestone. It is a milestone, but I think we're a good year away from that. Yeah, I think we're only at two thirty-eight, and so yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I can't do the math on that, but I'm. Oh, I know. Maybe about a year, year and a bit. 
uh, a ways. Overnight. So yeah, but that'll be good. The 300th episode, that'll be crazy. Never done anything in my life 300 times. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. I probably I guess I probably have, but that's it. Not, nothing that involves a microphone 300 times ever. No, no. Uh, so, yeah, but. Oh, hey, wait. Same, wait, wait. We had some news come in last week. Didn't you remember I shared it with you and Steve that we were ranked number seven out of the top 30 Canadian tech podcasts? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, sure. That's, that's, that's pretty damn cool. I don't uh, know what their criteria is. I don't know what the ranking system is, but Hey, listen, we'll take it. Absolutely. I'll I was pretty impressed seven. with it. Yeah, sure. Look at that. So, good job, Rob. Yeah. There you go. See talking for six minutes about ants pays off <laughs> number seven in the tech podcast <laughs> and number one, uh, talking about ants. That's right. So uh, I'm waiting for that list to come out. Maybe it will. I haven't been inside a church in ages. Hello? Hello, my child. Father, I've started listening to this podcast in the last while, and I've been listening to it during work time. I'm doing no work because it's so funny. It's presented by these three blind guys. Would this be the the Blind Guys Chat podcast? Yes. All the priests listen to it. It's great crack. Ah, Father, God bless you. God bless everybody and all the blind guys. Subscribe to Blind Guys Chat wherever you get your podcasts. Always read the label. No need to consult your doctor. May cause hysteria. And joining us now is Stephanie DeBishop from Plan Institute. Stephanie, thank you so much for taking some time out to join us today. Hello. Well, thanks so much um, to you all for having me. I'm really excited to, to join the podcast and be part of the conversation today. Well, it's nice having you. Every once in a while, we kind of reach out to local organizations that we knew nothing about and invite them onto the show. So it was really interesting coming across Plan Institute and kind of finding out what you do. So it's great to have you here to talk about the Institute and what you guys offer. Yeah, well, happy to. It's always great to meet new people and and connect uh, with new opportunities. So I'm more than happy to to share what Plan Institute is about and how we got to this place and in what way we sort of see our relationship to the community and and the work that we um, engage in endeavoring to support people across the country. Yeah, so why don't we start there and just give us a little bit of a a snapshot of of, um, what you guys do and um you know what sort of the what the mandate is yeah um i'd be happy to so plan institute is a nationally registered charity and really the the main focus is we work to improve the lives of people with disabilities um, across the country uh, collaborating on community-based projects um, through offering a suite of learning initiatives and then we advocate for policy reform both on a provincial and a federal level um, and so what that really looks like on a day-to-day basis is you know the community-based projects we have a number of them that we collaborate with from organizations across both within BC where we're um, sort of our quote unquote office <laughs> is located um, within BC, but also across the country. And those community-based projects uh, aim to reduce and address the barriers that individuals face on a daily basis pertaining to whatever um, subject you know, we're, we're discussing. And we do a number of learning initiatives and that looks like um, you know it can vary from a, a two-hour online workshop on the registered disability savings plan or estate planning to a weekend retreat um, for caregivers which of course hasn't happened this year but we're really uh, you know eager to get that up and going again and really that looks to um, provide space for caregivers to nurse their souls and get back in touch with themselves and and have that space and time to really just um, you know, take care of themselves. And then in terms of policy, um, that goes hand in hand with our community-based projects in that, you know, as we look to address the barriers that exist and assist people in overcoming those barriers, of course, that illuminates the systemic issues that exist from the policy perspective. And so we really incorporate all of those learnings that we acquire through um, walking alongside people within our communities, pro- community-based projects and learning and loop that into our policy work. And so that means um, writing recommendations, collaborating with others. We sit on the um, RDSP, so the Registered Disability Savings Plan um, Action Group, which is an advisory committee to the Ministry of Social Development and Poverty Reduction in BC. And so those are just sort of 
some of the things that we do. Um, in terms of um, where Plan Institute, uh, sort of our mission and our mandate, I think it's probably best to talk a little bit about where we have come from. I think that's the best way to understand sort of our position within, um, you know, how we see ourselves within a, as part of our community. So we're pan disability, uh, we're rooted in individual and, and family leadership. And we're, you know, we're led by a board uh, primarily comprised of people with lived experience. And we were created in uh, just over 20 years ago by our sister organization, which is called Planned Lifetime Advocacy Network, Plan for short, which again is a family-led charitable um, organization within BC that's dedicated to really just building inclusive communities for all citizens. And the organizations were, were started by really a group of parents who came together and wanted to ensure that their children um, would live a good life and contribute to their communities after they were gone. And that fear of, you know, what's going to happen to to this person that I love most um, when I'm not here. And so from that, there were five components that really rose to the top in terms of defining a good life and that are, you know, universal, which are, you know, relationships and loving friends and family, um, you know, a home to call your own, financial security, uh, participating in decision-making, and then the ability to contribute your, you know, unique gifts and abilities. And so Plan Institute focuses on, um, primarily on the financial security component and really was created as a bit of a, an opportunity to share the incredible knowledge and that innovation that had occurred within those planned families um, and to share that with the community at large and see if there's a way that we could contribute more broadly to the conversation using those experiences of individuals and families that continue to guide us today. So I think that's sort of it in a nutshell, <laughs> a large nutshell. I mean, that's interesting. So it sounds like there's really like three, three or so prongs of what you guys do. Um, and is there, is one prong sort of more challenging than the other? Like what's like in terms of like sort of building policy or building things like support networks? That's a tough one to answer. Um, I think that it really depends. There are such complexities to each of the components of the work that we do. And you're right. There are sort of those three prongs, the community-based projects that, um, learning opportunities and then the policy. I think that there is the the policy side of course has so many additional layers and this the systemic issues that um, need to be so carefully navigated that that of course comes to mind as the most complex. Um, having said that, um, you know the the one that I think involves the most amount of um, or requires the most amount of care, consideration, thoughtfulness is really those community-based projects because that's what the sort of the meat and the potatoes of, of all of it. It's about, you know, doing this work, walking alongside individuals and families and figuring out what it is that you that, that you as an individual or as a family need right now to overcome that barrier that you are experiencing. And then we'll we'll loop that all into the policy side. But um I think sometimes it's um, easy to look at the policy side as the most complex, but the realities of, of people's experience on a daily basis, I think that connecting those to the, that walking the life with people on a daily basis, I think is um, really comes to the forefront as being the, the single most important thing that we can do and the single greatest contribution that we hope to have is, as an organization and a group of people that make up the organization is just to do our best to um, to walk alongside people and, and to help address any of those barriers that they may be experiencing. Right. And it makes and it totally makes sense because really what drives everything at the heart of it is going to be the community and, and what the community needs. And so it's hard to advocate for policy unless you really are like fairly well tied into the community and what their needs are. Absolutely. And, and I mean, um, you know, referenced earlier a little bit around, you know, social innovation. And I think that's where the crux of it comes from that, that people know, you know, individuals, families, they know what's best for them. People know what they want. They know what they need. Um, and so 
and individuals and families are the original innovators. You know, we think of now as social innovation as some big ticket sort of word that means, you know, people in, um, you know, fancy offices are thinking about, you know, unique ways to do X, Y, or Z, but really individuals and families remain the, the, they're the original innovators. And it's a matter of creating the environment necessary to allow that innovation to come forward. Um, you know, we, sort of as we make sure that we don't sit back and uh, accept that status quo that we're constantly pushing for equity, for equality. And that's only achieved when people have the space to, to dream big, you know, to not be limited by the social constructs or the structures, the notions of what it means to, you know, have a disability in Canada. And so this sort of multi-pronged approach that, that we have helps us to navigate that and to encourage social innovation within our um, organization as best as we can. And that really is by listening to families and individuals who say, this is what we need, and then figuring out a way to innovate solutions. And that's really, you know, what plan our sister organization was, it was these innovative ideas around what does it mean to be a part of our community and plan institutes role was then to come in and share those, um, incredible innovations with, the community at large. And we've seen examples of that innovation time and time again, from the registered disability savings plan to the representation agreement within BC. Um, and, and now, you know, hopefully the announcement recently, or I say recently last fall of the Canadian disability benefit that's to be recreated, uh, that's another opportunity for individuals and families to use that innovative power to design what it is that, um, you know, they, indicate is needed for their lives to live their best lives. And so could you talk to us a little bit about those those benefits for those people who maybe aren't aware of them? Yeah, so um, the, the Registered Disability Savings Plans, the RDSP, is something that Plan Institute has been pretty um, connected to and, and um, steeply, very deeply invested in since it began. So it was started in 2008 and again, came out of individuals and families saying, hey, we need something that is going to address our long-term financial security needs. And it really is a long-term savings plan to help people save for the future. Kind of similar in the, in the sense of like an RRSP, but of course, specifically for people with disabilities, there are uh, grants and bonds that are contributed by the federal government. And over the course of someone's lifetime, it can be up to $90,000, um, which is an incredible amount of money and really can be a part of the piece of the puzzle um, in terms of addressing poverty reduction or the right to a life free from poverty. Um, and it's you know the first of its kind in the world. Um, and they, I mean, I could go into details about the RDSP. I won't uh, for <laughs> for time reasons, but we have free uh, online workshops. Um, we have a disability planning helpline uh, that anybody can call across the country to talk to one of our advisors about the RDSP or the disability tax credit or other um, aspects of, of disability planning. Um, we have a website, rdsp.com and a, an RDSP calculator on that website and that will help walk people through the you know the nuts and bolts of the RDSP and again we have have workshops that happen pretty much monthly so um, please don't hesitate to reach out if anybody has questions about it um, we also have some community-based projects and amazing collaborations with wonderful organizations specifically around the RDSP um, especially within BC it's called Access RDSP and really it looks to increase uptake of the RDSP. So that's through individualized support, walking people through the RDSP and the disability tax credit, helping people fill out those forms, getting it set up, navigating, managing the RDSP and the investment, um, you know, withdrawals, how to, how to maximize it in terms of a tool to help secure long-term financial stability. Um, so encourage anybody to, to reach out and, and learn more. We'd be more than happy to to support anyone and everyone who's looking to find out more information. Uh, and then I guess uh, the, the other aspect that I mentioned, um, the Canadian Disability Benefit. Um, so as, as I mentioned, so in the, in the throne speech in September, uh, the federal government announced a commitment to create the Canadian Disability Benefit or a Canadian Disability Benefit. 
And it was once again reinforced through a, a mandate letter to Minister Qualtro. And then again, it was seen as part of the federal government uh, budget that was just released. And really what, what that's about is about, you know, seizing an opportunity to meaningfully reduce poverty for those with disabilities living in Canada. Um, and, you know, a third of all people living in poverty in Canada are people with disabilities. So this is, you know, it's the time is now. And there's a, a window of opportunity to secure this Canadian disability benefit. Um, and this really is going to require as I said, innovation and a, a movement from the disability community at large across the country to make sure that the federal government implements this benefit in a way that is led, guided, developed by and for people with disabilities. So, um, I mean, I could go into, I could go on and on about it. I'm so excited about the opportunity to participate in this movement and, and what this benefit could mean in terms of contributing meaning, meaningfully to poverty. Um, but again, if anybody has any questions, we are just one of the many people who are um, at the starting gate looking to contribute towards building the movement around ensuring this benefit comes to fruition. So I'm happy for, uh, you know, anybody to reach out and, and to connect because this movement will require the efforts of every single individual organization group allies across the country to, to make sure that this, this happens. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting too that you, you put it in the in the sense of uh, pieces of a puzzle because that's kind of how I see a lot of, of the advocacy organizations that are, that are around. I mean, we talked to um, um, Developmental Disabilities BC and and sort of what they do and you know their struggles with things like long term housing for people with disabilities and and you know we we places like the CNIB that that offer you know different services in terms of transitional services and there's all these different pieces of the puzzle that really need to to come together um, for the disability community, you know, not to mention all the stuff that the, the the government is doing in terms of the you know Accessible Canada Act and the recently announced um, the new budget. Um, there's there's all these sort of pieces of of different puzzles that I, th I feel like make it hard for the general public and especially for the community to really track everything that's going on and to really be able to to make their voices heard in the places that they need to yeah absolutely i think i think you um put it really well and i actually listened to that episode with developmental disabilities association um it was wonderful and and i i think you hit the nail on the head there are so many um components to the structures and the systems that people are put within and it can be coming extraordinarily challenging to navigate what opportunities are available, what supports are available, um, what, how, you know, how people can use the supports and the tools to make those decisions for themselves. And, and, you know, the, the complexity is not lost. There was uh, the, the recent, uh, the basic income report that was uh, released in BC recently had an extraordinary um, sort of visual where they had a, a sort of like a pie chart with all of the different supports and services that were available and where they fit in under which ministry. And, and it was like a snake's nest. It was um, extraordinary to see it really put into some sort of um, visual component. And it really highlights that the systems that have been established um, while I'm sure we're done with the best of intentions, there are some huge systemic and structural issues that exist and that it really is going to require, it continues to require the, the very close collaboration from the disability community at large to overcome these and to navigate these um, various elements because nothing is, nothing exists in isolation. You know, an amendment to one component or one structure impacts others. Right. And, and so it's, it's so hard to piece these pieces, uh, to sort of pull these pieces apart, which is why that close collaboration within the disability community is just imperative if we're going to make any headway. So do you guys like talk a lot, of, you know, with other organizations and other advocacy groups? 
Yeah, I mean, I would venture to say nothing that we do is in isolation or alone. I think it would be impossible to do so. It would be impossible and it would be it would be ill-advised in that, you know, we, um, the relationships that we have with individuals and families is, um, you know, part of the equation, but there are so many voices um, and so many individuals, so many families, so many groups and sub-communities within the disability community um, that it's so important to really think critically about you know who's at that table and who's not at that table whose voice are we not hearing um and you know one of the i think one of the silver linings of this whole um pandemic period is that it has increased collaboration within the community um to an incredible level i think that there was you know immediately there was a recognition that um the pandemic has disproportionately affected people with disabilities and really laid bare some of the incredible inequities that continue to exist and that continue to disproportionately impact people with disabilities. And that systemic ableism that exists within our structures has so profoundly impacted people um, and their experience within the, within the pandemic, like, you know, within the healthcare system, you know, policies around vaccination or triage, or, um, just the structures that exist within our communities to support people and how they have been so disrupted by this pandemic. It's really highlighted our need to put any, um, you know, to remove any silos that existed and just come together to really figure out, okay, we are, we are in crisis. Our community is in crisis. Our friends, our loved ones, our family members are are um, facing an overwhelming um, barrier at present and how do we come together? And so I think that this period of time has, um, while it has been you know, laden with incredible challenges that are so profound, that has been one of the silver linings that I am so grateful that we've been able to experience of that, that it's reinvigorated the need for really open, honest, um, come as you are, leave any politics at the door and just come for some, some true, um, you know, collaboration to, to come together and, and make sure that, that, think, that things happen, <laughs> you know, that we get, we get done what needs to be done. Yeah. And that's certainly something that we've talked about um, ad nauseum actually here on the podcast is just, you know, that is, I, I feel like the, the silver lining of, of COVID if, if there is one, um, yeah. is that you're absolutely right. It's exposed some of the weaknesses in the system um, <clears throat> so that hopefully we can go forward and we can actually try to um, address them and fix them. Um, but let me ask you this then, in general, maybe taking COVID out of the picture, um, as hard as that is to do, but just to say in, in the past five years, have you noticed a difference in terms of policy shifting or um, more companies being more open to things like inclusion. What's the general temperature been? Yeah, I think that there is certainly a shift that is occurring. I think that it ties into um, the overarching um, lens of sort of equity and justice that's within the the community at present that stems, you know, from Black Lives Matters movement and, and all of the social movements that are, are going on right now and that are, are lending power to the, this conversation around disability inclusion and what does it really mean like and shifting from the traditional lens of what it means to, you know, have an inclusive community to what, what does it mean to have an equitable and a just community. And so I do see a significant shift in the last number of years in terms of the just the visibility of of the challenges that have ex that have long existed but that they are slowly you know floating more and more to the surface and becoming um a little bit more part of the Canadian community at large, like the conversation that people are having outside of just the disability community. And, and that's really exciting and presents a huge opportunity um, because I think that people across the board are recognizing that we can't do this alone within the disability community outside. When you look at the, the idea of allyship has become so prominent within our, within our culture that there is an additional recognition that allyship goes beyond the sort of 
traditional definition and expands to um, how can we ensure that we are being effective allies to all those members of our community, be that within the dis disability community, um, the people of color communities, you know, wh whatever community that might be. And I think that that is a huge part because of this consciousness around allyship and the inequities that, that truly exist within our communities that people just weren't necessarily really aware of. They weren't visible as visible. And I mean, there, there's a number of reasons for that, but uh, I won't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that, is, that is a big rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> so can, can we shift gears a little bit? Because I'm, I'm just curious to your Absolutely. thoughts. Um, the, they did release the, the latest budget, budget 2021. Um, any thoughts about that? Like any, any things that you're excited about? Any things that, you're, that sort of disappoint? Um, how did we do this year? Yeah, well, I'm certainly no economist, so I'm not uh, I'm not going to have as much insight as many other bright minds in the subject matter. But what I can say is, I was excited to see some mention of some really key conversations that people have long been advocating for and that have been included in the in the budget. Things like reform to the disability tax credit. Um, I, you know. Do I wish that the reforms were going further? Absolutely. Um, you know, I I would love to see it be taken far beyond the uh, amendments or the conversations that they're looking to have. Having said that, um, I also want to ensure that you know we we take this as an opening to um, acknowledge that they recognize that there are huge profound challenges that exist within things like the disability tax credit and that some of the the things that were outlined within the budget acknowledge that they are going to be be looking at, at this and and this has been something that you know people with disabilities and families have been banging on the door for for ages saying this this isn't working there are some huge issues so i was really um pleased to see that, uh, of course, very pleased to see the mention of the Canadian disability benefit within um, the budget and that commitment reaffirmed. So I'd said this is a pretty historic opportunity to implement a, a benefit that would see people meaningfully raised out of poverty. Um, and, and that's no small feat. So um, there is always room for more. And uh, I'm sure there's plenty of areas that I would love to see more, but I am heartened by some of the things that I that I did see. Well, excellent. That's good to hear because, uh, you know, whenever I, I see it, I just like, uh oh, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's good. It's good to get to get your perspective on that. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the idea of the the personal support network and how that all works? Yeah. So this really is. Um, the the territory i should say or like the the domain um the expertise of our sister organization plan and this was the really founding block for um when i talked about the the families who created plan and plan institute and they came together to address that you know the question of what's going to happen to my when I, to my child when i'm no longer around um the idea of that network of reciprocal, genuine relationships, not based on the traditional caregiver dynamic, um, th that really became the central component to achieving all other um, aspects of those sort of five components that I that I reference of you know the universal principles of what it means to have a good life, and there was this recognition that without those relationships and that network of caring, loving people who acknowledge you for your gifts and your contributions and who receive those contributions from you daily. Um, the other aspects of a good life just weren't going to um, be possible, that that maintained the central component. And so PLAN, one of the, the biggest contributions that it has is that it really focuses on um, developing those networks, nurturing those. And so we as Plan Institute have partnered to do, you know, we have an online workshop, a six week course rather, um, in partnership with Plan around how to um, walk people through building those networks um, and how can you very purposefully um, open up relationships that exist. Like we, we know um, 
people, nobody exists in isolation and people are at their best and at their happiest when they are connected to their community. And we acknowledge those connections exist. They're just not, um, they're not necessarily seen. And so this is a, a way for us to share that knowledge and that experience from families who, who, you know, pioneered that sort of model and to share that to say, you know, this, this is what families have done in the past and, and how we can really intentionally nurture those relationships as being the foundational components for assuring a, a good life. I want to sort of shift gears again and talk a little bit more about education. Um, mm -hmm. How important is education and things like workshops and events um, for the community? How, how, how strong of a prong is that? And what kind of workshops and events do you guys have? So education, it's, a it's such a huge component of what we do. And when I say education, I think, I don't think about it in the, the sort of traditional sense, but really it's about um, how can we provide people with the information that they need so that they can make the best decisions they, they can for themselves. As I mentioned previously, you know, people know what, what they want for their lives. Um, what's missing, as we talked about earlier, you know, the navigation, there are so many components, it's complex. Um, you know, planning in general, figuring out what we want in general is complex. And when you add in the additional component of disability, the complexity only, um, you know, grows. And so the purpose of all of our learning initiatives are really simply to be providing that information so that people can make those decisions for themselves and that we are there to walk alongside them to, to provide that baseline for whenever they articulate they need it and in the direction that they articulate they want to go. So, um, you know, the, those learning initiatives said, you know, we do online. We were, of course, doing in-person, but that's been put on hold until, you know, future notice around the registered disability savings plan, um, estate planning, so wills, trusts, and estate planning um, for, for families. Uh, as I mentioned, the caregivers retreat, um, things like the personal support network facilitation, um, and, and really over the years, there have been other learning opportunities that have come and go based on the need at the time. And it really remains a, a central component of, of how we share. And, and a really important factor is that all of the workshops um, that we host or all of the educational initiatives that we're engaged in are all led by individuals and families. So they're co-facilitated. They're either facilitated entirely by um, either an individual with a disability or a family member. Um, and then for things like, you know, wills, trusts, and estates planning, of course, that's very legal in nature. So we have, um, they're co-facilitated both by a legal professional who uh, happens to also be an individual with a disability, as well as a family member. And it, it really stems from our fundamental belief that individuals and families, uh, they are the holders of this knowledge. They are the original innovators. And that this is a platform for us to ensure that information is shared, not only the, you know, the, the, basic components of that information. Um, so the, the legal requirements associated with trust, but it's shared within an environment um, that can be, that, that accounts for the nuances of those living with disability in those families. So it's not uh, a cookie cutter um, educational opportunity, so to speak, but it's about, you know, how can, how can we share that information, but in a way that is actually digestible and that actually fits into the lives of people who are, um, you know, asking for that information. Yeah, you know, it's, well, it's, it's interesting, too, because, you know, as you were saying that, you know, I was thinking about um, President's Group, who um, was is another organization that we've we've chatted with, you know, and they are um, along the lines of their their advocates for inclusive hiring practices and stuff, which is all a component of this whole overarching idea to to help get the disability community like out of this this cycle of poverty that they're in. Mm -hmm. But all these things, all these components are, are all so tied together, but they're all very sort of different organizations. We're, we're getting better at having the conversation, but I feel like the infrastructure is still kind of all over the place in, in terms of ad, advocacy. There is, I completely take your point in that it, there is, with so many pieces to the puzzle, it can be hard to uh, ensure that people are connected to the pieces that are relevant for them. And 
it remains a, there there is a gap in terms of um, the ability to access the information and supports that people need. There is no, you know, necessarily centralized repository. I mean, there are tools such as 211 and, and, and of course the work that, you know, that we're engaged in with the Disability Planning Helpline and other organizations, you know, we're all, uh, we endeavor to connect as much as possible, but it does present a real challenge and that um, you can't know what everything that everybody else is doing. But the, the one, positive side to having so many organizations who are perhaps more focused in a, a niche market, so to speak, or like a, a niche um, opportunity to contribute is that it really allows, um, you know, those organizations to become so intensely steeped in that, to understand the complexity and the nuances of that particular topic. The challenge comes, of course, if we as individuals and organizations don't take a step back and recognize what we know and what we don't know, <laughs> you know, and it takes that you need to know what you don't know. And so long as we are able to um, really humble ourselves as individuals and organizations to say, look, I have a piece of the puzzle that or, you know, we as contributors are able to help this part of the conversation, but recognizing that we can't possibly know um, all of the various components, just as we can't possibly know the experiences of others. I think that it becomes much more manageable when we accept our position um, as individuals and as organizations as holding or contributing to rather a small piece of that puzzle and being committed to um, asking questions rather than giving answers and knowing where to go uh, to ask those questions so that you can help navigate as best as possible um, alongside families. But it's, it's, it's a real challenge. I mean, it's, um, there is, it, for example, you know, we have, um, we've been doing RDSP work for over a decade and it has been an incredible journey, but a, you know, a long one. And there are still, um, organizations that we reach out to every week, month, year that we had no idea existed or that they had no idea we existed and we have such opportunities for collaboration and we didn't know the other uh, were doing work that was, you know, in alignment. And so it's exciting to think of all the opportunities for wonderful like-minded people and organizations to contribute, but it also on the flip side is a really good reminder that there is still so much fragmentation that exists that, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of space for us to grow as a community um, to, to improve those connections. Well, and that's something, you know, I'm glad Rob pointed out is that, you know, it, I'm totally blind myself and there's four or five blindness advocacy groups throughout Canada. And, you know, we weren't aware of Plan Institute until the, orga until the organization that Rob works for, I think, got an email regarding something with Plan Institute. So, you know, it's really hard to know where to go to find the information you might be looking for other than Google. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that stems, too, from, you know, as um, the role that each of us can play as connectors, to, to others, you know, the, the role that we play as engaged citizen in our community, that when, you know, somebody got an email in the organization that you're connected to, Rob, and then you, you know, you connected the dots here and there, and, and that is only with connections and with the efforts of each one of us as individuals, are those, um, those relationships going to be augmented, and, and only through those relationships are we going to be able to achieve what we all want which is full inclusive community that really is is welcoming for all that it, that is reflective of the community that we are um and that you know doesn't doesn't always exist for everybody the opportunities don't always exist and and again why why things like the pot like this podcast is so important because it shifts the um the, the narrative away from a, a the sort of traditional, you know, air quote, mainstream uh, media and that narrative, there's sort of a, a traditional narrative that exists within that ableist structure. And so um, conversations, podcasts, um, you know, 
all of it, the whole arts community and that ownership and that that prominence of people with disabilities within the media provides an opportunity to shift that narrative. So things like um, we actually just started recently collaborating with on a on a new opportunity called the Disability Digest, and I don't know if any of you have read it, but uh, Alep Mansky, who is um, a wonderful soul and a and a a real powerhouse within the, the advocacy realm and disability. Um, he is an author, is one of the founders of Plan and Plan Institute, received the Order of Canada, is a, just a, a wonderful person. And he wrote a book um, recently, about a year or two ago, called The Power of Disability. And so this digest, um, we're collaborating with, with him and our sister organization, Plan. Um, and the purpose of the digest really is to you know, correct what history has overlooked and that the world wouldn't be where it is today. It wouldn't look the same as it does if it weren't for people with disabilities and contributions of people with disabilities. And as the largest minority in the world, there's incredible power in that. And historically that power has been overlooked. And I, and I mention it in that it's, um, it's shifting the narrative. It's having a, a narrative other than the mainstream um, coming to the forefront. And that that's, that narrative, that alternate narrative that is actually far more reflective of the community that we are all a part of is far, it is so important to ensure that we continue to make those connections. You know, the, the more these conversations, the more connections we all make, the more we, um, the, the greater awareness we all have as individuals um, and, and wherever we sit within our community or whatever roles we might play, whatever hats we might wear, um, it it really increases our understanding of the the experiences of others and allows us to connect with others more full more fully and allows us to, as we said, recognize what we don't know and to ask those questions and to seek those connections yeah. in order to um, make sure that that people are connected to the things and the people and the places that they that they want to be and it's just it, it stems from just you know recognizing our, our our place and our perspectives and where that sits within um the the conversations at large and and what other conversations are out there that we just haven't had an opportunity to be a part of yet and being just aware of how many opportunities there are to be present um if we choose to be open to them uh, yeah you know it's funny you say that i mean when we first started this podcast years ago, um, I think we all kind of thought that this was going to be a flash in the pan. Um, and not just because we're all lazy and generally <laughs> we, we have no follow through, but, but just we thought, you know, there's only going to be so much that we can talk about. There's only going to be so many organizations that we can get on the show. And here we are in 238 episodes later <laughs> And we're, we aren't. We aren't running out of people to talk to. We aren't running out of organizations to, to spotlight. Um, there's just so many stories, so many people, and so many great organizations out there that are advocating for this um, that, geez, we're probably going to still be going in 10 years. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ten wait, ten what? <laughs> well, congrats on two hundred and thirty eight. That's an incredible feat. And and you know, I look forward to at least two hundred and thirty eight more. Oh my. <laughs> That's <goodness>. right, Ryan. <laughs> no pressure. Hey, listen. That's another two hundred and thirty eight guests I got a book. That's fine. Listen, you're you're exercising now. You have a lot of energy. You'll be fine. You just gotta get yes. rid of the ants. That's right. I think as a whole, um, okay. I just want to let people know that um, if there's anything, any questions, um, anything you want to chat about, um, please don't hesitate to, to connect with us either through our, our toll free, toll free helpline, um, uh, through our plan website, you know, planinstitute.ca, our RDSP related website, which is rdsp.com, um, and all of the resources, um, you know, I guess the only one last thing I would mention is for all those uh, who do hold an RDSP out there um, and are in within BC, we uh, have an endowment fund that um, basically is a $150 um contribution to RDSPs to help jumpstart savings within the RDSP. So um, if you live in BC and you have an RDSP or you're setting one up, um, call us, go to our website. We want to make sure that we uh, deliver that sort of endowment funds. We've dispersed over 420 
$1,000 so far in disbursements wow. into RDSPs. Awesome. And so we are eager to keep it going. And um, yeah, we're just really thankful for the conversation and for being invited to be a part of it. And and if anybody wants to connect and wants to build some additional, uh, you know, collaboration opportunities, uh, give me a call, shoot me an email. Uh, I'm always happy to to you know connect and and talk with wonderful people about uh, wonderful opportunities well listen thanks so much for coming on and let's let's absolutely have you uh on again and we can do a deep dive into into any one of these things that we've been talking about my pleasure anytime okay next week <laughs> whoa 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 i thought i had at least 238 you know spots oh. that I could perhaps <laughs> That's right. May's booked. You have to wait till at least June now. Right, yeah, okay. Fine. <laughs> fine. You're, off the hook. You're off the hook, Stephanie. Oh, thank you so much, you all as well. Have a great rest of the, to the week and uh, hope everybody stays safe and good luck with the ants. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much, Stephanie. <laughs> Thanks, all Stephanie. Right. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Jeez. Man, I really wish uh, we had heard of these guys sooner. This is this is really super incredibly important work that they're doing. How many times in past episodes have we mentioned the fact that there needs to be a central repository of all the disability resources available to people in Canada? Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous that just out of the blue, you receive an email from this organization that we never heard of before. We've been in the industry, you know, 30, 30 years and we're still discovering new people, new organizations that are helping people with disabilities. It surprises me. So, yeah, it was really great to get her on. Yeah, you know, and you, you, things get even more complicated when you consider that every single province has different organizations who have different mm -hmm. um, funding policies, who, I mean, it's just, it, depending on where you are, you might have more organizations in another province. I mean, there really does need to be some sort of a information repository for people to go to so that they they do have access to the things that they may need and some of those things can be very specific like look at look at um uh these guys you know all and, and look at look at plan and all the work that they do specifically towards um some of the the savings plans and the the tax benefits i mean you know trying to set people up for financial security throughout their life. That's a very specific need that they're fulfilling. Um, and you wouldn't, you don't necessarily know that, that they're even there when you just say, you know, if you, if you happen to be whatever, whatever your disability happens to be, and you just Google that, they're not necessarily going to come up. So, you know, a lot of these organizations, I feel like they, the information still gets passed from word of mouth, just, you know, this person knows this person who knows about this organization or that had to use their services. And, um, and that's just, I don't know, we have to find a better way to do it. Well, and it's interesting because when she talked about the RDSP, the only way, like I have an RRSP or had one through my financial institution, and then I converted that to an RDSP, but I learned about the RDSP through my financial institution. I didn't know that plan existed and, you know, they have or were integral in bringing the RDSP to BC or to Canada. You know, they've got the RDSP.com website that has all the information. But again, I found out about it through my financial institution. And maybe yeah. if I had have heard of plan earlier, may have decided to do something or invest in an RDSP way yeah. earlier than I did. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Well, that just means we have to have more of these organizations on. I think that everyone that we have on that we help shine a little bit more of a light on to that if one person uh, discovers plan that, that could use their services and, and use some of their workshops, uh, that's a victory for us. Well, and they have support networks and workshops and webinars, and it really sounds like there's a lot of great information that they provide to the community. So absolutely going to stay on top of their website and try to keep up to date with what they're doing and get them back on at a later time. Yeah, let's for sure. Let's do that. Cause it sounds like, yeah, there, there's a ton of topics that we could have touched on, touched on, uh, in talking with her, but, uh, we just didn't have time because this isn't a three hour show. Well, maybe we need to do a three hour show. 
Yeah, but then we have to find a guest that would be willing to talk to us for three hours, and that could be challenging. <laughs> Saturday evening pub, Saturday Saturday night Irish pub banter. Oh God! <laughs> Bring oh, your drinks. Man. Bring your drinks. Or uh, at banter, at banter piano bar. That's an interesting idea. I'm just you need casual. To hire a piano player. I'm sure we can find someone. Hmm. That's there you go. Well, there you go. Cocktail hour. Eighteen cocktail hour. Yep. Oh man, it's tiring enough coming up with one podcast a week. <laughs> We've been doing that for six years almost. That's 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 enough. People it is enough. It's yeah. It can be tedious. Two hundred and thirty-eight hours of listening to us. Can you imagine? It's more than that because some shows have gone over an hour. I think probably the only person on earth that's heard all 238 hours is probably me because I've yep. edited them. <laughs> like that's it. Like, no, there's, there can't be a listener out there that's listened to every single episode. If oh, you have email us, email absolutely. us at, at, we will send you something. If you can, I don't know how we're going to prove that you've listened to every single episode, but uh, listen, you just even just claim email us and claim that you've listened to every episode. Maybe we'll, we'll throw a, a super fan trivia quiz one day and I don't know. Um, Hey, how's the exercising going? Is it, did the ant have the ants impacted your, uh, your exercise routine? Uh, for the first couple days we discovered them. I was still down there. And then the last two days I haven't, I just want yeah. to get them eradicated first. Yeah. That's how it, that's how it happens. Something happens. And you're like, okay, well I can't work out uh, now. So uh, that's right. I twisted my, twisted my ankle. So I got to <laughs> wait for it to heal. And then there's nothing, you just never go back, but hopefully yeah. you don't, hopefully you don't, you break the cycle. I'm just saying, yeah, I've been no. there. I've done that, but yeah, I'll better. definitely go back and um, you know, just get back to it. It's kind of nice getting up in the morning, take the dog outside, feed the dog, head down to the basement, you know, crank up the tunes or the personal trainer. I'm using the uh, Fitness Plus app on my iPhone from Apple. And so you have different trainers, different exercises, different workouts. And so I'm doing usually the 20 or 30 minute cycle, one of the cycling workouts, and they've got different trainers and different music and they're motivating and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. Right. But yeah, it's there you go. time to sweat. Is it free? Uh, it's free for the first three months, and then it's a subscription. Yeah. So I'm trying well, it that's anyway. Not bad. That's it's not. Is, that's a long time. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I'll see how it goes, and they come up with new content every week. Yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling a little bit of pressure. I'm feeling peer group pressure here uh, from you <laughs> and Steve doing all this exercising. Now I feel like I need to, I need to step my game up. That, but which is, you know what? I could. I my, you know, I have my my bike under a sheet out on my balcony, so can actually break that out any time but it's just been uh crappy this week but maybe, yeah. maybe i'll do that next week if, it, if the weather improves maybe i'll i'll get out there on the road and i used to i used to really enjoy riding a bike when i had sight it was just one of the things i really like doing you know i ride road bmx bikes and you know had 10 speeds and stuff of course mountain bikes but yeah i just really enjoyed just getting out there and just riding Oh yeah, ten speeds with like the Rams, Ram horn <laughs> handlebars. Oh, classics. That's right. Classics. Yeah. Oh, I yep. remember that. Remember those days when you're like you you had like the little I don't know what you'd call it, but like the you know the little bike for, but then you'd like get to like twelve or thirteen and you just start looking at those everybody else's like the big kids. Yep. And in twelve speeds, you're like, oh, I can't wait till I get one of those. <laughs> and then you get one of those, it's like, yeah. Yeah, we'd actually even loosen the handlebars up and spin them around the other way. Yes, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Oh, God, it's so great. <laughs> Man, now it's just yeah. all mountain bikes. I wonder it why. Is. I wonder what the, I get, did they find that the ram horns, like leaning down like that was bad for your back or something? I wonder what, wonder what, what fell. Like, I mean, I guess the road bikes and the racing bikes that you see at like the Tour de France and stuff, I guess those still have uh, those types of handlebars. Probably. Uh, so I guess it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they fell out of favor in terms of like mainstream cycling, why everything became a mountain bike. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you remember wagons? Like you used like to have a little wooden wagons? wagon. You'd ride down hills in wagons. 
Yeah, yeah I do. I, ne- I, think I never had one. I never got one. Yeah. Uh, but I remember, yeah, I certainly remember seeing people. Yeah, those Please. things are kind of death traps. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like those are... Because we used to have this hill in town too that was like I think we called it Speed Hill, right? And it was just it was just like a, a really big, fairly steep, yeah, street that you know, it was a hill, and everybody that's where you would go to to uh, you know bike down or whatever. But yeah, people would, would do that. It would take like those wagons up to the top of it and go down, and they're probably going like <laughs> you know twenty five miles an hour by the time it hits the bottom. It's a steep hill, and uh, those things were death traps, like. The 80s were great, weren't they? No helmets, yeah. no padding. No. Yeah, I wonder how many, <laughs> under how many injuries resulted in in the result of those those weddings. Oh, it was such a great era. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, listen, we've done this. We've done enough damage for today. All right. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Uh, where can people find us? They can find us online at atbanter.com. They can also drop us an email if they so desire cowbell at atbanter.com and they can find us on facebook instagram twitter and wherever you get your podcasts yeah and if you're an ant uh head on over to (laughs) ryan's basement the guitar dungeon lots of lovely guitars to enjoy there's dorito dust oh there's no Uh, dorito dust anymore just watch out for the the bait (laughs) <laughs> don't take anything that smells funny guys don't take the bait don't take the bait uh all right that is going to about do it for us this week big thanks to everybody for listening in uh big thanks of course to stephanie and we will see everybody next week bye-bye this podcast has been brought to you by canadian assistive technology providing low vision and blindness solutions across canada Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. 